but you put 10 master technicians in the room and each one of them is going to look at something the other one's doing going, why is he doing that? And I, I remember when I pulled a BD-12 out and started saying it with no belt, he walked over to me and basically said, you're an idiot, walked off. Uh, but, you know, uh, at the end of the day, we ended up with a floor that um, didn't get over sanded, is absolutely perfectly flat. And, you know, it, it looks like furniture. It's, four, it's 14,000 feet of furniture. Look. All right. This is All Things Wood Floor brought to you by the one and only Wood Floor Business. I'm Steve Diggins. This episode is part two of my conversation with master floor craftsman Spriglin of Universal Floors and Kent Rogerson and Jamie Lambert of Low Country Floors. We've been discussing uh, a flooring restoration and it's an amazing neoclassical structure in Washington, D.C. Uh, it connects two wings of the William Jefferson Clinton Federal Building. It is the Andrew W. Mellon Auditorium. Look online at the photos with Wood Floor Business. This project is amazing. If you didn't start from the beginning with the rest of the class, go back to part one of this podcast and catch up with the floor pros around the world. Then come back here to part two, and we're going to get into a deep dive into the sanding and finishing portion of this phenomenal flooring project. Wood floor pros around the world, welcome to All Things Wood Floor with Sprig Lynn and Kent Rogerson, part two. And let's get to it. So give me the numbers for the flooring contractors they're going to want to ask. We'll go over them again. How many square feet of what, what, and what? How much chevron? How many, um, you know, diamond blocks? How big were the diamond blocks? Just give me the technical aspects of what was involved in the wood portion and the aesthetics of it. Uh, 33 inches picture framed around. That was uh, down to a little square okay. is, is the diamonds. And, and like I say, Steve Bumpus made a nice jig where we could take a festool and cut each each corner of the diamond so that that and then you know if we had any scraps that was that was used we didn't waste much flooring at all but uh yeah so uh i'd say the the stage was about a thousand feet and about thirteen thousand five hundred feet in the in the uh ten thousand feet in the field and then a few thousand on each side and and uh the room's a little bit bigger because those big massive columns sit on a about a 10 by 10 pedestal but that's part of the room but we're just talking flooring so just all together up spline like you're taking eight foot splines and cutting them up or you already had them cut up and then do you glue you don't glue you you put a, a nail into the spline yeah, you're not? yeah, okay. yeah. We, we, we glue it and uh we put in long strips of, we didn't just put individuals because we would route it and then put you know six seven foot spline in there how long did that install take uh, I think it took us about seven weeks. Okay. Uh, it, it, believe me, by the time we got down to those pillars, uh, the first pillar went a little bit slow. But once you, you know what, once you get it, you, you get everybody together and, and you have a, a powwow there on what's the best way to go around these pillars. So going around these pillars on a, with 45 Chevron and having them meet each time exactly perfectly is a feed on its own on the other Believe side me, all and with together. every other column right you gotta not just yeah. get around Kent, one baby me steve seba uh mr Bum, all of us sat down and we all threw out our ideas and what we can do and that's when it comes to strategically nailing it that's why when you're using a, a, a manual nailer you can put just a little more oomph into it or a little bit lighter nail. And then you could put a little micro crack. And when it comes out the other side, everything is, I mean, literally you have to manipulate every single board. Okay. And it, once it's done, it looks like, Hey, it wasn't that big of a deal, but it's a big deal. So now you can't, you get in there with air guns, pop, 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 pop. You'd be in big trouble. Yeah. That sounds like that would be a lot of trouble. So, when you when you, all right, so you get the thing laid out, you get it done, you get it cut, you get it in, it's set to go. Do you jump right to the sand and finishing? Because at this point, the material's been sitting for quite a period of time. It's it's had enough time to. You've already acclimated it. Now it's acclimated to the actual installation process. You're going to start getting into the um, the sanding and finishing part of it. Do you send um, you know Jamie and Kent off to one side of the building and go? You boys get going, and we're going to finish up the install work. 
Well, the, the center part was about 10,000 feet. Oh, good Lord. And the main concern was, let, let's finish up completed sure. the center with the border, with the cork and everything. Okay. And then, then that's when uh, uh, Jamie and Kent went to town. Where was You said there's cork in there? Where was the cork in there? Yeah, that's old school perimeter cork all around. First the stone. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, so the big thing was that uh, Kent couldn't catch us. We had to finish the wood before he got his sanding machines over there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we, we uh, changed a little bit and changed the ball game and we worked together and it's all about communication. And, and each morning we would talk about what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. And each evening we'd talk how we're going to do it, what's next, what's next on. It wasn't any surprises. And we all really work well together. So you got the, the – ins- it's, it's time to stand and finish. And, you know, I, I've done jobs where you got eight guys on, you know, big machines or you got guys with riders. This is a big project. Is this like a gym? You bring in riders, or you guys just each had plenty of machines to just cut that? Well, not only that, but you're cutting multi-directional, right? Because it's it's Chevron. You got to go forty-five, forty-five square or something. You must have been working what like it was it. You could could you start forty, sixty, eighty, or was it good enough to start sixty, or did you have to start thirty-six? So we we did. We actually started with we, we thought we were going to be able to fifty, but we ended up uh, starting with forty on the floor. But yeah. no. So not only did we not use Mack riders, uh, uh, most of our friends in the flooring industry probably think we're crazy. But we pulled. Uh, so so a couple of our guys were pulling uh, eight inch galaxies. Uh, Jamie, myself, and Jamie's brother Alex were pulling BD twelves. Yep. We don't use belts even. We, we're pulling BD-12s without even a belt uh, because pulling with your fingertips, if there's some little tiny uh, topographical inconsistency, you feel it, and you, you can tell it better than you can with a belt. So we don't over-sand any areas like the company we were we were coming behind. Uh, you know, it's my, our good friend that, that – uh, Spray keeps talking about Steve Bumpus. So, you know, he's a master technician, and and I, I would I would say all of us are. But you put ten master technicians in the room, and each one of them is going to look at something the other one's doing, going, "Why is he doing that?" Right. And I, I remember when I pulled a BD twelve out and started sanding with no belt, he walked over to me and basically said, "You're an idiot." Walked <laughs> off. Uh, but you know, uh, at the end of the day, we ended up with a floor that. Um, didn't get over sanded is absolutely perfectly flat and you know it, it looks like furniture it's, four, it's 14,000 feet of furniture look you, can, you don't run, you don't run end to end are you doing blocks and sections and corners and like sometimes you have to move in 10 by 10s or something you just can't go from one side of the building so, to the other we were we were doing uh about 20% of the field okay. each pool and mostly, mostly because everything's running on dust containment. You know, our big machines are running outside to gas-powered dust containment. Nice. And our eights are running to uh, pre-separators in the building. And uh, you can't pull that much hose. You, know, you can make longer longer swipes, but then you're just dragging hose, and, it, and it, it's it's awkward and heavier. And even tries to make the, the machine act funny. Or you got to have so, somebody hold the hose, or it starts to kilt the machine right, off. Yeah, yeah. So... We we were taking what about thirty five foot? Yeah, uh, if I had to guess, about thirty five foot swipes front and back, and then we move on to the next step, move on to the next step, and and you know always slight. And we were changing angles, uh, you know, as we go. But um, but yeah, we weren't trying to make full runs down the gym like you would if you had a had a Mack rider with bags on it. You know, so you're doing like forty at let's say a forty five, and then sixty at the other, and then eighty straight. Or is, you're not doing sixty, sixty, well, forty, forty. You're not doubling up on these things. No, we're not doubling up. But so here's the funny thing: everybody's got their own way they like to do the angles. If you were to look like 15 degrees, 7 degree, 45 degree. Right. So so that there's some field of what angle you're going to go at, right? But, uh, you know, again, you may have another expert watch you do it and question why you're doing it. And then when you explain to them why you're doing it, they're like, ah, okay, makes sense. Carry on. And and, and they go home. Well, uh, so, you know, speaking about that, it, one of the neatest things that, that has gone on being involved with Sprig the last, I don't know, seven or eight years 
it, it, bringing all of these experts together and putting them in a room and having everybody have the same intention to make the project go off, no, not really having anybody there that's trying to show up the other person that's the exact opposite. Everybody's there trying to make the other person look good, make the team look good. Um, you know, in the last, so we've been in business since 92. In the last 10 years, I've, Jamie and I both have tried to make it more about our team and and those guys really getting the education and knowledge and the credit that they deserve. You know, you heard me mention a minute ago our head guy Kerry Smith. You know, he uh, he comes in and he's looking at it from a slightly different angle than I'm looking at it from, or that James is looking at it from, or that Alex is looking at it from. And next thing you know, you're staying in the room just with our group where there's you know, 160, 170 years of experience, all looking, trying to come up with the best way to do one thing. Like say I was going to, you know, try and be the head guy or Spriggs trying to be the head guy. Well then, yeah, you may have 30 years of knowledge, but you know, two heads are better than one and seven or eight. Steve, yes, sir. When, when, when somebody's taking a massive part of the job, I, I got my ways of doing it. But when that professional comes in there, Whatever way that person is comfortable with, wants to do it that way. I said, you take the lead. I'll be right behind you. So it's if that's what they're comfortable with and their process, we'll adapt to their process. It's, we're not going to get in a pissing contest on who, when, and why, where. If that's the way the man wants to do it, that's what we're going to do. And that's that's a good good harmonious working uh, atmosphere well so you guys are you, you know what you're talking about you know where you're headed so you know what the finish is going to be so you know what you're capable of doing you didn't script any grip progressions but i'm assuming that either all this can become harmonious with the the right buffing or rotary machines or something that's going to bring all that back together because i well, assume we're, we're, we're kind of like it. uh yeah they likened us to synchronized swimmers out there right no, i see that no hey hey uh, water popping the floor alone was a was a feat that's a lot of mm -hmm. water popping sure yeah how yeah, do you water fun. pop fourteen thousand feet that's one hell well, of a one spreader that, uh, fire hose yeah. so rainbird makes these sprinklers that you can buy <laughs> yeah and right. uh, they, they look like little tractors and it drags the hose across the field and it Why just, not? It just is, you know, all of these things are, are, when we talk about experience, you walk into a building, it's funny he brought up the water popping, which seems like a very simple thing, right? Not that big. That's well, tough. if you walk in a building that's got 60-foot ceilings, you know, anybody that's ever laid and finish in, uh, you know, the, the, the average high-end flooring guy, he's laid finish in a room that's got a cathedral ceiling or it's open to a a, a balcony or a catwalk or gymnasium, yeah. Heck, a gymnasium, yes. It's going to off-gas faster because it's got more room for the, for the gases to, to go up into the clouds. Right. It, the same thing. Water's a gas. It turns into a gas. It's evaporating. And when you've got air movement, you've got 60-foot ceilings and just the cubic footage of volume that's in this place, uh, you know, we start putting water on the floor and a friend of ours actually said you're not water popping that floor you're washing it you know you're you're you're, you're soaking it right but you know taking your, your we, that was the biggest room we'd ever worked in obviously uh i think uh but as soon as you walk in there and you start looking at it thinking about it and trying to to graph it back to some other experience you've had with that with larger airspaces you start trying to figure out okay how how do we make this actually work you said, well, you know, we got to take a, a, a somewhat educated guess here to how long this water is going to stay on the floor, how long it's going to take it to evaporate. Do you meter it? So after we're done, well, we meter it before we put it down, and we meter it after we're done before we put any type of product on it. Yeah, but, well, you wait overnight and you still meter it, right? We waited overnight and still metered it uh, because we really did put a lot of water down considering, but – because of the airspace, it evaporated way quicker than it ever would in the house. It, way quicker than so. You were using cyclonic separators. I'm thinking, and, and, and some type of vacuum collection. I know you mentioned you had a gas power unit, which was probably connected to the local units. Did you guys have to worry at all about um, the alarm systems? I know I've been in places, and next thing you know, no one covered the alarms, and they're going off. And it seems like you kept it so clean, you didn't have to worry about that. 
Not at all. We we didn't set off a uh, you know a lot of times you get in the house and it's and you get some dust or some fumes from something and carbon monoxide alarms or whatever start going off. Nothing, absolutely nothing. And so Sprig shared with you this is part of the EPA building. So oh. this is one thing that I thought was just wonderful. And I told the story to a client today who's worried about the dust in their house. We had people from the EPA stick their head into this building every day while we were sanding. Uh-oh. The machines are running in the yard. They're out sticking their heads in our dust containment units and the whole nine. And and federal officials from the EPA look at it and go, wow, that's amazing, and go on into the EPA and work. That's great. How many, how many hardwood flooring guys in this industry would want to sand 14,000 feet tied to the EPA building <laughs> and, and have them sticking their head in at any given moment. I don't want to say hey, in geez. Boston and know the EPA is down in D.C. I don't, I don't want them anywhere near me. You remember when we went through the lead? Well, hey, all hey, so you, they, they, they were really happy to take on this uh, Uno coat, you know, professional coating, zero BOC. Yeah, give me that. Waxable, and, and they were like, really, what, what's the best finish? We said this is. Because you can maintain it, right. it'll look historically correct, and uh, uh, you know you you put a surface finish over that whole thing. When's the next time you're going to recoat that thing? You know you'd have to shut it all down and buff it this way. Uh, that that uh, natural uh, hard wax oil is what went down, and uh, that was the art. That was hand trial, and and, and uh, my good friends from South Carolina got on their hands and knees and physically hand trialed every inch of that product into that floor twice. Yeah, those magazines, are, are, that's in wood floor business. There's a bunch of photos of that. It's, a, it's amazing to watch because it's such a, a large project. What was it? This, okay, I get the decision. It's like if you do a large restaurant, you put a poly finish in. It's just going to get scratched, and then it gets soaked, and then it gets worn. So what do you think the maintenance is on, on this type of a coat? What was it? Was it a, was it a hard wax, like a two-component? Two yes. Okay, and how many? How much did you have to put? Did you just go on till it's? Did you put it on with buffers, or it's all trowel pad? You didn't use carpet pad. Trial, trial, hand trowel. Hand trowel. So, so the, the 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 first coat of oil, like I said, we water popped it really aggressively. So we came in and hand trialed the first coat. We, we were trying to do two things. One, we're cutting off any grain rays with the blades, and we're actually making a slight little slurry sure. uh, of of grain rays <laughs> with the the oil. And it's it's almost like trial filling with the slight amount of grain raised and getting this oil really deep into the floor. Taking if you if you were to watch uh, sections of the floor get done, it may have even been considered to the person watching a video of it over trialing it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But trying to get this oil compacted as deep into the open pores as we possibly could on the first coat. The second coat, we, we just buffed it on and buffed it off. Right, because it's not going to take much more after that, right? You can just see it's, no, it, it's, it's, it's done. It's filled up at that point. It's so, amazing. I've never heard. I never thought of uh, you know your water pop would stain your. I never thought of uh, water popping, but you know that'll really get deep penetration. Deeper and, in, yeah. There's more. Okay. Pot, there's more. Pot that, it's quartered material. It's going to want to fight you. Yeah. So, uh, so take experience. When we first started talking about this job, and uh, back to the logistics of Mike, I, I think you're talking about Mike, a, a guy that's down here close to us in Georgia. If I'm not not mistaken, I'm, I'm familiar with him. I don't know him, but I'm familiar with him. He's down in Georgia. Uh, you know, one of the things leading up to these type jobs, as Sprig said, there's so much on the line. There's so much liability. You've got to be as proactive as possible. Uh, the year that we first started talking about doing this, there's actually a couple other buildings in, in D.C. that we were uh, trying to advise them properly on finishes to use. Um, the the, the ProCoat products, you know, Steve Bumpus actually and and and, uh, and uh, Steve Bellrose uh, asked me, said, have you, have you tested this stuff? Have you tried it yet? And I said, well, you know, I had a couple cans of it, not done much with it. And they, they started telling me they really liked the product. So I was like, you know what, before we start locking in and say yes we advise you to do this i get that it's low vocs but before we advise you to do this jamie and i got on a plane flew out to steve mitchell's place in in little rock arkansas and there, there was some other contractors there you know uh, the lorsing brothers and guys like that but we spent some time with them at their facility trying to do our due diligence to make sure we understood what we could and couldn't do with the product then we came back here and did a dozen jobs with it before we ever went to dc 
and, and you know, we had to give it our stamp of approval before we, we went forward with it. If, if somebody was just to take a product, I don't care what any rep says about it, and, and just went by that and went and tackled a job of this size of, on some new product they've not experimented with and tested and 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 picked apart even. Uh, you know, finish reps sometimes don't like us because we pick their product, products apart. Sure. Not trying to be you mean, have to, have trying to, to get better. You well, know? I, I'll tell you what, Kent, that down there, Procode, you can call Austin or, or his father, the owners of the company, and they're a big company. And they will straight out take your calls and spend a lot of time. They're they're Johnny on the spot. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. In this data, a chemist too, right? Yes. So, so Steve, Steve Mitchell, the owner of Proco. So uh, we were doing a set of chambers at Supreme Court right after the Bell and Auditorium, and I had a question that I felt like I knew the answer to, uh, and I it was spray. I think it was a Saturday night. We were yeah, in Supreme wait, Court. Saturday. It was a Saturday yeah. night. And I called Steve Mitchell Saturday night, and he answered my phone and went into more detail than what you would ever get any rep to do. Um, you know, in saying that, we've got wonderful reps. You know, I, I, I'm, as I'm sitting here bragging about Steve Mitchell taking our calls and answering our questions, if you take just this one job that we went to D.C. and do, I can think of uh, our main guy that takes care of us from Ampro that, that, that brings us most of our sundries, um, he is shipping products from Charlotte, North Carolina to Spriggs Place for us that most of was backup. The the guy at Bona, the, the, uh, there's, there's a guy there named Todd Love there that's in the parks there. You know, that he's not a rep. He's not out at the – most people don't know him, but, but he's the parks guy at, at Bona. He was, like Spriggs said, it's COVID. He was pulling strings and finding stuff. I might not all tell how many favors he did for us to get us – Parts and backup parts for equipment. Hey, hey, Kent, to ride on that, we were running short on adhesive, and Wayne Highlander stepped up. I said, I don't know where you're going to get the adhesive, but I need it. So the whole community, distributors and manufacturers, really stepped up. Nobody really walked away from us. They found a way because they wanted to be part of this, too, and they're good, straight-up people. But uh, that's a good sign when uh, – when, when these people are standing behind you because they, they could just put you off to the side. Yeah. For, I mean, for sure. I, if you, if you think about it, you know, and that's one thing that, that I told Jamie, that I, I feel like is really a blessing in this industry. You know, we were up in DC helping Sprig with multiple jobs. You know, I just, I guess I sort of name dropped a minute ago doing the spring court just a few weeks after this. Well, we thought we were going to need some pack stop filler from Burger, Burger Sidell. We didn't have any. Nathan Kelly shipped some next day or to 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 us at at, uh, at Spriggs' office. Uh, we had Procoat behind us. We had uh, Bonus. So these guys are all, uh, you know, the competitors. They all make similar products and are competitors. But all of these, the reps that we have, anyway, I feel so blessed because all of our reps that we work with, you you pick up the phone and call them and say we need something, and they are just they're just all over it. And you couldn't you couldn't pull off jobs like this. Without, um, you, you know, the, the, the compilation did, or, or, the, or the whole group. You know? Hey, uh, there was a guy that asked a question, Matt Garcia down in Texas, and he wanted to know how that. we got to, how we got together. Right. But this has been years in the making, and we form relationships. And it's not just, hey, can you come up and do this job? We talk all the time, uh, and and it's a team. It's we all get together and and, and knock these jobs out. But it isn't just like we. <laughs> put an ad on Facebook say, Hey, can you come help me? We've, we vet, we vet everyone. The guys we bring up vet their own people. And we're all hundred percent lockstep on the same page, which uh, works out fantastic. I think floor we pros talk- are telepathic. They think they're the only ones that, you know, we've talked about it. You can walk onto a job and I could go down and work with you guys. And in a few minutes, we're just working. There's no gabbing, talking, discussion. I know where I need to be. You know where you need to be. If It, it just. Hey, you, you know, Tina Boone called in and, and she was asking about the layout. Did we know where we're going to start and stop? Sure. Now, we, we knew where each point had to go and each diamond, but. The, the end of the pattern ended where it, where it ended. Now that Boone family, I tell you what, all of them, nephews, brothers, and uncles, they're all first all class floor people, right there. 
You know, you mentioned the vendors a lot of times. We, you kind of, there's so many people involved in there. It can get competitive with certain things. But I will say, when people read this article and the piece that Sprig wrote, there's a little section at the bottom that mentioned who contributed. It's over 40 different companies, manufacturers, vendors, in one way or another that had a little piece of something that went into this. It's a big project from abrasives to poly to finishes to anything. Sprig, well, you can I say don't you think besides. Steve, besides ProCode, I don't think anyone could actually fill the entire order because, like I say, we're coming out of COVID, right? And there's a there's a there's a problem getting getting product. You have supply chain I, issues, I, then, when, right? I, I, we we tried to get some uh, uh, pads there for the for the power drive interface pads. I had to go to my cousin's showroom, and he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm taking these off the demo machines. I, I need these." He he didn't have any. But he said, go ahead and take it. Right. You know, it's uh, funny. You, you mentioned Matt Garcia a minute ago. You know, so Spr- this job, I met Sprig, actually. So I obviously knew who Sprig was. There was a couple of phone calls. But I never met Sprig until, what, Sprig, nine years ago, maybe, eight or nine years ago. We met at the NWFA show. And uh, so Matt Garcia, uh, we were do- in, I think, Howard Brinkman, somebody had a, a, a thing one morning at at a, at the expo, and uh, Jamie and I were in there. And uh, over to my left is is Matt and his mother, I believe. I think it was his mother that was actually with him. It was a year that Matt won uh, his his Florida year, yes. uh, you know, for for what he did in his showroom there. And uh, I didn't I didn't know Matt, you know, but he was there. He was sitting right beside us. I, I kind of struck up a conversation with him. We talked for off and on for thirty or forty minutes. I had no idea who he was telling me he's from Texas and, and uh, we chit chatted about business a minute and, and I was like, I really like that guy. Well, the next day he's getting a Florida year trophy. I'm like, I don't like that kid for some reason. You say that because one of the first podcasts I did, one of the early ones was Sprig. And then the next one, one of them was uh, Matt Garcia. And so Matt and I recorded the very first second appearance of somebody and Sprig's article came up and we did, we're doing this. Sprig will beat Matt. So he'll be he'll be in there first. But we've been teasing Matt. You know, he's got this treehouse at his house. And I've said this every podcast. All the people you see right here, the plan is we're all going to go to Matt's place and we're going to get in that treehouse and we're going to do like a, a maybe a live Facebook version of this. Leaving the language, leaving everything. We'll talk about all parts. Of Sometimes I hang up and Spriggs says the greatest stuff. Or I talk with Kent the other night. They said, you got to talk with Kent for a couple minutes. Yeah, two hours and nine minutes. And some of that stuff, <laughs> yeah. I think we really need to record. It's, it's fascinating, the other side of our trade and, you know, what's involved. So you guys are, are always completely. Hey, I, I, uh, Steve, I see uh, Veronica Scarron, a young lady from uh, Youngstown, Ohio. And she's very knowledgeable. She's in my and- She's in my speed round questions but i oh really yeah in fact the people you're mentioning i I had them all saved for your speed round but yeah go ahead i veronica she she wanted to know what the the best moment of the entire job is correct yeah and uh besides putting down the last board or the last drop of finish is when those massive amount of 1720 government officials comb that every inch of that floor and they said First class work. Now that that's a hard that's a hard thing to pull off. That, right. that was a pretty proud moment because there a lot of stuff had to come together, and a lot of curveballs had to be caught and thrown back to make that happen. And I, I think that was that was pretty cool. Still. I had that written up for the speed round questions because you've already been no, through I'm them sorry. before. No, it's funny because you're, you're right. But I know that when she posted that, then we talked about a Mike. Is it Mike Simone? And he had mentioned about the um, the manpower and the labor and that. But he did have a second question. If you're looking where I was looking, and he said, "Ask Brig what his diet and exercise program is, so that we can <laughs> understand where the hell all your energy and drive comes from." Well, it's called Farm Fit. I got a gentleman. I'm a gentleman farmer. There you go. So, so uh, after work, work begins again. So that that's I, I try to stay in step, and uh, but. but uh, I think it, Kent Kent likes those monster drinks, doesn't he? Kent, I'm trying. I'm trying to cut back, Sprig. Well, hey, Steve, when when he's behind that uh, BD 12 inch Galaxy for 12 hours, uh, he needs more than water. 
I tell you what, that's a he was, that's work, a big he was working that. You work twelve hours behind that twelve inch Galaxy, seven and a half horsepower with no belt, with, with no belt wheel. Wheel. That's a big machine. It's a big baby. That, that, that's, it's a, that's it's a big machine. Right yeah, um, we were we were talking about this. Uh, we were talking about this a few minutes ago. Talking about that the last board spring was bringing the last board going in. So spring's got this guy that's like. He's kind of like our carry. You know, he's his head guy. Uh, and Stephen, he, he was stressing because we showed up rolling in and he wasn't quite ready. And uh, so Steve Bumpus flew down and, and really got with Stephen and Jamie and Carrie. And they, they, they came up with a plan and put all the guys to it and they finished it up. And uh, Steve Bumpus had to go back. Well, he knows that Steve likes to sign the last board and put it in the floor uh, whenever he finishes the job. Those guys. <laughs> so, so this is how much of a teammate this guy is. He signed, forged Steve Bumpus's name to the back of the last board. We all stood there as he nailed the last board in the floor, <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't his name. He he put Bumpus's name on it. You tell me, you put a forgery in a federal building while Spring's trying to collect some money over there. <laughs> But you know, it just it just shows all the respect that all these guys have for each other. He made sure he knew that if Bumpus would have been there for the last day, that he would have signed the last board and put it in. He made sure that happened, even though he wasn't there. Were they? Were and they, we even had uh, uh, Steve. There was a guy, Daniel Moore, came up from Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if you know Daniel. His family owns that ET Moore. Uh, they probably have more uh, Longleaf Southern Heart Pine than anyone I know. But uh, he's he's a good guy too, and, and uh, Steve Seabaugh out of uh, Missouri came in and uh, at a drop of the hat because we we're running behind. Believe me, we we're running behind with all that subfloor work, and uh, Kent and Jamie were right on our backside, so we had to bring in the superstars. That's great. So Jamie's gonna call me later when you guys are around and go, "Listen, man, half this stuff was bullshit." <laughs> and to answer uh, TJ Haas's question, yeah, I'm kneeing I'm, I'm Ken under the table. Well, um, what was TJ Haas's question online? First one to curse. Sprig. That's what we said. I think it was just me. <laughs> you guys behave uh, yourself. What are you doing behaving yourself? Bunch of floor pros. The, um, I got a construction mouth, but Sprig wins. So, sometimes I'll call and talk to Sprig on the way home if I'm driving or something. And a lot of times, uh, my father-in-law, Jim Stropel, will ride with me places, and I'll have Sprig on speakerphone, and we'll get oh, done with the conversation. And Jim's like, he, he does all that fancy work and all. Does he talk like that on those jobs? I'm like, no, no, no that's buddy talk. That's buddy talk. He's, he doesn't talk like that. That's exactly. You know, Sprig mentioned it in the podcast. He said that, you know, being licensed or certified or et cetera, I am. And people up here will say, there's no such thing. I had to fly down to Falls Church and get certified, and it had to be flooring. I can't even work in, in D.C. without having being certified in um, carpet, vinyl, tile, stone, and hardwood. So they don't do that up here. And I think down there, I think it's a good place to start. And, and are all where you guys are from, do you have to have a license or a certification or anything for where you're working? So it's crazy. Yeah. You know, I had this conversation this morning with two of our local builders. Uh, I have a, I have a residential builder's license. And the reason I went and got my residential builder's license 25 years ago is not because I want to build houses because uh, I'm not trying to compete with, with, with the hand that feeds me. But in the state of South Carolina, we have what you call specialty contractors. And then you've got uh, residential contractors and general contractors and unlimited general contractors. So uh, us, would, we would be considered a specialty contractor in floor covering. Well, in the state of South Carolina, all you have to do is know someone who is uh, educated enough to fill out a form and have, I don't know, $450 or something like that now, and you send it in and they send you a, they send you a sticker that says you are a licensed specialty contractor and here's your contractor's number. No, the, other than plumbing and electrical, none of our contractors here are getting or having to go get certified or even having to go through an, ex, uh, an apprentice program. Okay. So what happens in our state is you get very opposite ends of the spectrum. You can get some of the finest craftsmen you've ever seen in our state, and you can also get the polar opposite. Well, hey, hey, Kent, well, up here in D.C., we got some strict laws. Got to have a bond. 
you got to have a sales license. You got to have a business license. You got to have clean hands every year. You go through a, a background check. Even with all that, there's still people out there working under the radar, big time. Uh, yeah, and, but they're not going to work in a government building because they check you out. But that's one thing that's uh, positive working for the government is uh, it weeds out all your uh, what we call bullshit people, if I can say that. <laughs> now we're tied. But hey, look, hey, also, Steve, you know, yes, sir. if everything was perfect on the job and everything was flat level and the wood was right, that isn't what makes a first-class craftsman wood floor person. Correct. It's all the diversity thrown at you, all the curveballs and all the experience, and you get used to it. I, I embrace problems. I don't get all flustered. I sit back, bring it in. Let's find a solution. Let's get a plan. Let's move forward. So that's what makes great floor guys is <laughs> his problems. So if you have a problem, just overcome it and uh, and. Put it in your memory banks because you don't want to do it again. Hey, Woodfloor Pros. This is Kim Walgren, the longtime editor of Woodfloor Business. Make sure you don't miss the article the guys are talking about on today's episode or any other cool projects and articles by making sure you have your own subscription to Woodfloor Business Magazine. You can get the print or the digital edition for free by going to woodfloorbusiness.com and clicking on Magazine. And when you're subscribing, don't forget to also check the box so you get the Wood Floor Business e-news in your inbox every Monday and Wednesday. You'll be in the know on all the latest industry news and new products. That's it for now. Let's get back to Stephen's conversation with Sprig, Kent, and Jamie. Floor pros don't run from anything. And you all know the guys coming up through the ranks. They have one little problem. They might be owed seven grand. They'll ditch the seven grand and they'll go hide. They'll disconnect their phone. Go fix it. Make it right. Get in there and make things happen. The, um, you know, I wanted to ask before we kind of wrap everything up with Sprig, it, it, does this particular project, um, does it, how does it rank with, you've done a lot of really great projects. How does this one rank with the others? Top three, top one, top two, top 10. You, you know, everyone says most important jobs, the one they're working on. Sure. Yeah. It's the, it, it, there's some validity to that. It's fresh in my mind. It, it's, it's, uh, I'm talking about it. Uh, and once in a while, these other jobs we did in the past, not saying you forgot about them. They'll come up to the surface or someone will talk about them. So, you know what? Any challenging job we do and do it right and get paid for it, that's a, that's a good job in my, in my book. And this job is, you know what makes it better or more interesting or fun is we can bring other people in and we all have a good time and share a good experience and we all learn from each other. And, and at the end of the day, we want to have some fun. So it, this ranks up uh, as a top, top challenging job, but yeah, right there in the top hundred. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It, it, it ranks up there. Though. When, when you, Honestly, when you finish does. up a project it, like this, I guess people are probably going to ask anyway, is um, you, you, once it's done and you got your, everything's filed in, everything's done right, the work's acceptable and you're ready to bail out of there, is it pretty easy to submit all your final submissions and get paid decently and you're up and boom, 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 you're off and running? Or does it take a long, or does it take a long time? Just, got, right. Sometimes it's just like a job site. Got curveballs thrown at you, it's so like punch list. Yeah, if you don't have anything on the punch list, it's it's hard not to pay somebody. So that mm. punch list adds to not getting paid. That's what we want to do. Sure. Best foot forward, but yeah, uh, uh, pretty pretty much you, you get paid or, or you go out of business. That's at the end of the day. Without all the details, we're trying to take someone's money, not take it, earn someone's money, and have it transferred from their bank to our bank as quick as possible. That's our that's our end goal. I got gotcha. you. You guys looking at Sprig? It looks like you're in a cave. Like where are? Where you look like a miner? Where is this an automobile? Where are you? Uh, that's that's my third job. I'm a West Virginia coal miner. <laughs> I knew it. And, <laughs> and uh, now I'm up here 
somewhere on the Maryland Virginia line. Okay. And uh, but what what are your rapid questions there? You got any rapid yeah, questions? Yeah. Listen, we're going to wrap it up, guys. And, and you know, Jamie, Ken, thank you very much. I'm going to we I don't usually there's a series of rapid fire questions, but and Spriggs been through them and you haven't, so I'm going to wing it. I'm going to throw them around at you, and I'll just point at you and, and go with them. The idea would be to answer them as quick as you can, and then we we'd be good to wrap it all up. So let's you know what? Let's start with um. I start with we're gonna go Sprig Kent Jamie and just go around real quick on this project Sprig your proudest moment uh, when the uh, when the government officials gave the thumbs up and no punch list the, and okay Kent proudest moment on this particular project well I, I would say that exact moment but being able to turn around and look at our crew that went up and did the sand and finish work and say you guys we just had. 15 to 17 people inspect every inch of this floor. They spent a day looking to, to find problems and there was not one item on the punch list with these guys, you know, being able to, some of our guys had taken off uh, heading back to South Carolina be able to call them and say, you guys, I asked you for your best. You gave me your best and not one person could find not even a, a not a swirl mark or anything. Okay. And Sprig brought it up earlier. This was Veronica Scourin. I believe she brought up these questions. So help it's helping me with my speed round. So if we go to Jamie on on this particular project, what was your proudest moment? So up top there's a balcony that looks down over the auditorium. So I remember walking up, they had they actually had it closed off and I, I went up there anyway. At some point, they had closed it off. And I'm looking down, and I'm, I'm watching all of our guys and all of Spriggs guys. And when you're working, you're in the middle of it. You're not you're not paying attention to everyone else. You're busy doing what you're doing. But when, when, when I walked up there and I was able to look, I'm like, this is incredible. Um, you got to think, the guys you work with, you spend more time with them than you do your family. Yes. And so being able to see everybody working like a, a well-oiled machine, you got to think we're hours away from home. Uh, you know, we have the capability here when we're working on jobs where we visit a house six or eight times before we ever start. Well, Kent and Amy had gone to D.C. and put their eyes on the job. But when we got there, this first time I'd ever even seen the building. And so the logistics of it, is is tough just in that respect because you can't run back to the shop and fix something so you, you got to be prepared but you know right being able being able to leave that job site and go room with the guys eat dinner with the guys spend some time with them that's really important i think for a company in general gotcha. so just standing up on that balcony and, and watching everybody work, that was that was a proud moment for me. Um, Kent, if you weren't a, a floor pro, what do you think you would have been doing? If I wasn't a floor pro? Yep, what would you do? So I wanted to be a pro motocrosser when I was younger. Sprig, how, how about Sprig? If you, if you weren't a floor guy, where, what, what do you think you'd have been? Two, two. Either I would have been an attorney or a farmer or both. Okay. Jamie, how about you? If you weren't a floor pro, what would it have been? Uh, probably an engineer. There you go. I won't hold that against you. All right. I'm going to start with Jamie because it's the most obvious. We make a movie about this. What actor plays you? Uh, uh, what actor plays me? Yeah. Hmm. You give him a minute. I'm asking him because he's the most know. handsome of us. I'm just giving. I'm just throwing him a softball here. I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Huh? We're good. I'm going back. Kent, how about you? Who plays you? I got a bunch of answers for that one. Who plays you in the movie about this extravaganza? Jesus, I don't know. I'm, Jesus I'm like, is going to play you. I didn't See, know you remember the, the old guy, uh, what's his name, Sam Sam Elliott that, that ah. was in? So, <laughs> the, the old, he plays the old rough and tough, raggedy guy. I told Springer, just say Sam through. Elliott. He goes, who the hell is that? I'm like, that, that, <laughs> that's it. Sprig, who plays you in the Lifetime movie? Of course, Clint Eastwood. Are you kidding me? Damn, there we go. All right, guys, really, what? what's a – so we'll start with Sprig. A pet peeve. You've been in this a long time. What really just pisses you off? Pet peeve in flooring. Somebody just puts the board in just because they put their hands on it. you got to look at that board. Slap it in. Kent, how about you? Pet peeve. People that call themselves wood floor professionals that are dishonest and, and do not tell their homeowners or clients the truth about what they're doing. Jamie, how about you? Uh, 
saying that you're doing something and actually not doing it and getting paid for it. That's that's a that's a big one for me. For me, you have a favorite tool that you might that you would never part with. What's your favorite floor tool? You know, I I think I would have to go with one of my old BD12s. I've got we we showed up there with twenty year old BD12s to to do that work. B12 is a, a, a Galaxy big machine, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a, it's drum, a and belt. drum and belt. Okay. Yep. Jamie, favorite tool? Uh, I'm going with the BD12, too. Nice. You'd be surprised how many people go, scraper. It, it's, it's, you're the first guys to actually say their equipment. You've got to be proud of that machine that you're behind. We, like we figured, we, we, we've gone almost two hours, and now we lose Sprig. So here's the thing about Sprig. When he said he had pulled over to the side of the road to talk to us, there's a good chance he's pulled over in the grass in front of the Washington Monument parked in the grass. I've seen him do it. So he might have been arrested. You don't know. Yeah, you never know when he's got something going down there. But I, I spent half my week calling people saying, uh, listen, I'm calling you because Sprig threatened me if I didn't. Like I, I talked to his cousin, Ray, and I go, listen, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just, your cousin said, son, you don't call my cousin. I don't break your arms. You get this done, you get it done now. I'm like, okay, I got it. He is something. Sprig well, is trying to get everybody some some credit for the parts they play in the in the mechanism, all the, all the different uh, the cogs and the cogs in the machine. I guess. I think that's the one thing that you guys all do. And the more we're doing the podcast with Wood Floor Business and bringing it together, I believe in the industry as a fellowship. I believe all you guys are colleagues. We speak a whole other language, um, and everyone that I talk to says they have a lot in their lives that comes from the forest to the floors. That's just how it is. We're very thankful for that. And the more we talk about these things, Sprig said a million times, well, why don't we go here? Why don't we go there? Let's go help, you know, Michael Purser out, or let's go see Matt Garcia, or let's go see Angelo DeSantos. And everybody wants to bring this community together. I think that's the future of flooring. Every time there's been um, a deficiency in our industry. It's been not having enough pros out there in the field and way too many manufacturers. We need to keep people educated as to what it is that we do and how we do it properly. I completely agree. You know, it also to you talk about fellowship, if you don't mind, uh, we, we've given a lot of people there, uh, you know, the pat on the back for all the help and assistance that we had uh, getting ready for this project, uh, suppliers and all. But if you don't mind, you know, our team that we took up there, yeah, myself and Jamie, but our, our lead guys, a guy named Kerry Smith, who is just phenomenal. Sure. Uh, we, we've got guys that work for us. James Swinton, Jamie's brother, came to work for us right out of high school you know, with us for, he was with us for 24, 25 years. Alex Tilton and, and, and Josh Clark. We got a young guy that works for us. His name's Josh Clark, who is learning at a faster rate than anybody i've ever seen a young guy i mean is just impressive smart impressive uh another young guy that helped us on this project uh derek his name's derek hammond he young young guy uh, father you know trying to learn and move forward the best he can and uh and and uh I don't know if I mentioned James Swinton's. We got a, a guy that will outwork just about anybody in the industry. His name's James Swinton, and and those guys are our team. And when Jamie was talking about standing in that balcony and watching them work like a well-oiled machine, it's it's almost like a coach. You know what I mean? If you see if you see your team making the perfect play over and over again, uh, without you having to be in the middle telling them everything to do, it means you practice properly. You know, as we do houses and jobs here, I tell everybody, you know, we do, even if it's a small house, you do it to your best ability because you practice like you're going to race back to motocross. You you practice like you're going to race. That way, when you show up to the the big show, whether it's, you know, you name the project, the Andrew Mellon Auditorium or your, you know, the, the fanciest house in the neighborhood, you're not having to regroup and put on the show properly. You're used to doing it that way because it's practiced properly day in and day out. Um, anyway, I just wanted to mention those guys because that they uh, they make us proud every day, not just on a not just on a job like this. You, you know, make a good point. I've I've I had guys that I've spoken to that were working down in the um, the West Wing, and I remember running into them a month later, uh, and they just came in for some screens, and I said, "Weren't you just weren't you just down at the Capitol? Where are you today?" 
They go, we're up in Sandown, which is a tiny little town in New Hampshire. And I go, what are you doing? They go, we're in a log cabin, sanding cat urine. <laughs> I go, but you were just a... But flooring people will take that job just as serious and in detail as the project that you guys work on. It's about every foot, every, every they say game of inches. It's every foot. I see flooring people, they won't stop. You need to stop them and say, take a lunch, take a break, drink something. Especially a job that big, it's laid out in front of you. You don't want to stop. You keep going and you keep going and you keep going. Yeah, for sure. James Swinton, the guy, the last guy I mentioned there, he won't take lunch. He works through lunch every day, did it today. But, you know, uh, just like you were talking about, so we're in a very small town. You know, people ask us where we come from. I was talking to, uh, I think I was talking to John Booth yesterday or the day before, and he's in Louisville, Kentucky. And I was trying to tell him how small of an area we were. So I was just Google searching the population of our hometown. It's 9,000 people, you know, and so we, we deal with, everything from the highest end stuff in resort in resort neighborhoods to, to very small houses. And a lot of the, our local supporters here, we almost have, I would call them supporters more so than clients. Uh, they're part of the family, part of the team too. And, and we've had some people every once in a while make comments. Well, you know, I heard you were in DC doing a house that we're not supposed to mention in the Supreme court and you know, the Mellon auditorium and all this kind of stuff. And uh, you're probably not going to want to do our little house. And the first thing I think of, your little house is what what we train on, what we've paid Absolutely. our paid our kids meals on, and where we got this good to get invited by somebody like Sprig to come participate in these jobs. Your what you just called little house is our pride and joy. You know that's that's our foundation. Let's say you've got a guy that makes fifty thousand dollars a year. His wife makes forty five thousand dollars a year, and they put every dime they can into a much smaller house that. Nobody's ever going to see a picture of, but it's that man's castle. It's just as much of a privilege to go in there and do his floor to the best of your ability so that he can live on it and have it not have to replace it in 15 or 20 years. Uh, It's just as much of a privilege. All right, guys, hold on one second because we lost Sprig. We're going to, let's see if we can. Hey, Sprig, we got you on on my phone. Can you hear us? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Where'd you go? (laughs) I did the thing cut off, and then my son was calling me a hundred times. He was at the veterinarian. The dog was at the vet, and and it wanted to needed a credit card, and he was having problems. And I was like, Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> <laughs> well, there we thought we were going to go over our limit. There it is. We're still recording. I just you know let's call Sprig and let's get him back online. So at least I can thank you for being here. And listen, like we thought, listen, we've never had anybody that didn't you know go an hour, but we've never had anybody go three, two, one, hold it, two hours. Boom, we got it. <laughs> I'm going to let you go do your thing, and we're going to let these gentlemen roll. But we, this is a start of a great future for all of us. I think that we should be doing a lot of this down the road. We'll let it, you guys go. I really, really appreciate all your time. Thank you very much for being all things Wood Floor. Guys, check out the, when Wood Floor Business puts out Spriggs articles. They're brilliant. He wrote them super well. He must have had help from his wife. And the photos are amazing. You guys are the best of the best. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you much. Thank you, Steven. You guys say bye to Sprig. Bye, Sprig. Bye, Sprig. Bye, Sprig. Thanks for taking a deep dive into this amazing job with us. To read more about the Mellon Auditorium Project and see all the photos and videos, go to woodfloorbusiness.com and put Mellon, that's M-E-L-L-O-N, Auditorium, in the search bar. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review all things Woodfloor. Thanks for listening.